0: God, we love you, and we are just uh, excited to be here, at least I am. I'm I'm pumped to be here, God. I'm excited to be able to, to share your word this morning, to speak about Easter. God, we celebrate your risen Son, Jesus Christ, who came and lived the perfect life that we could not live and died the death that we deserved to die so that we might have eternal life with you. God, I pray that that message would be so clear and so real to us this morning. God, I pray that you would once again just speak through me. Would the words that are spoken up here not be, not be my words, but they, would they be your words, God, for your people on your day? God, we love you, and we give you all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yeah, I, like I said, I'm excited to talk about Easter this morning. Uh, and Easter, we come to Easter and we, we, celebrate, uh, we celebrate the victory of Christ over death. We celebrate the victory of light over darkness. And we celebrate, especially today, the power of the third day, the resurrection day, the day in which Jesus comes out of the grave, which we'll read about in a little bit. We read about this morning as well. Jesus comes out of the grave just as he said he would. He is risen just as he said, and we celebrate that this morning. This morning, I just kind of want to start by just going through kind of a, a chronology, if you will, of, of Holy Week, and what, what all of this scripturally, like, let's just have a little background of what Easter even is scripturally. Right, Easter is, is, uh, is part of what, what Jesus, last Sunday, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. Last Sunday, we celebrated Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is the very beginning of, of Passover. Passover was something that was celebrated even 1,500 years before what we read is happening, before Jesus' time. And it goes back to, to the days of, of Moses. Do you remember Moses, 1,500 years before Jesus is on the earth, Moses is, is in Egypt and the people of Israel are crying out as they're in bondage to, to the Pharaoh there, God, God save us, God help us. And God says, I'll deliver my people. And so he sends Moses and he sends Aaron. And if you remember the story, there's the the ten plagues, right? And the last plague is the plague of the the firstborn, right? Where where the angel of death would come over the city and would kill all of the firstborn sons. But God gives the Israelites an out, and he says, if you slaughter a lamb, and if you put the blood of the lamb on the doorposts, then I will pass over your home. This is what they celebrated when they they celebrated Passover. They were celebrating the passing over of the angel of death, the the providence of God, the the gift of God that he wouldn't take theirs. If they put their faith in the blood of the lamb, they would be saved. And so 1,500 years later, Jesus comes into Jerusalem during Passover And during Passover, Jerusalem just swells to ten times its size. There's a ton of people in Jerusalem during Passover. And wouldn't you know it, what are the odds that Jesus rolls into town on the Passover on what they call Lamb Selection Day? See, as they celebrated Passover, what they would do is they would would go and they would choose the lamb. They would do the same thing as they did in Israel, in Egypt. They They would kill a lamb. And so on this day during Passover, they would come and they would choose their lamb, their sacrificial lamb. And wouldn't you know it, what are the odds that Jesus rolls into town on the back of a donkey to the praises of Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna, Hosanna. He comes in and he rolls in on none other than lamb selection day. And it's as if God is saying, if you trust in the blood of my Lamb, you will be saved. This is the beginning of Holy Week. We'll get to Thursday. Holy Thursday, some people call it. Maundy Thursdays. There's a lot of names for it. Thursday, we remember the Last Supper. The Last Supper in which Jesus is with his disciples and we hear the familiar words, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This is my blood shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Those words would, uh, the disciples didn't quite get that meaning until later on. But then we know at some point during the night, Jesus is betrayed. Judas comes in into the garden, gives him a kiss. The soldiers roll in and they, they grab him. Peter tries to defend Jesus, right? He cuts off the ear of a soldier. Jesus picks it up and puts it back on the man's face. This isn't what we're about, Peter. This is what I came for. Goes and he's kind of just railroaded through the through the trial system, right? And by nine o'clock the next morning, Jesus is hanging on a cross after being beaten, after being mocked, bloodied. I mean, being on a cross is no easy way to die. And literally the way that you die on a cross is not from not from blood loss, it's not from the pain. You die from suffocation. As you're hanging on the cross, and your, your feet are together, and your hands are out, your legs are strong enough at the beginning to kind of hold yourself up to take breaths. But as you get a little weaker, and you get a little weaker, you struggle to take breaths, and you have to push yourself up to take a breath. There was a thing back, back in Rome where if you were surviving too long on the cross, they would come and they would break your legs, so you could no longer push yourself up and take breaths. Not to mention that Jesus' back is just bloodied and tattered. You can imagine every time he pushes himself up, his back is rubbing against that cross, just the pain that Jesus is going through. And we know that by 3 o'clock that afternoon, Jesus is dead. The disciples, of course, want to bury Jesus and so they, they have a lot to do. And, and just, it's illegal for them to bury Jesus on the Sabbath. And time was a little different back then. Time wasn't, uh, we did, they didn't go 11 59 and 12 for the next day. It was at sundown. Sabbath began at sundown. And so they had to do all the preparations and get Jesus. Down off the cross, it says they have to to wrap spices, about 75 pounds of spices, and and wrap them up, and they put them in the tomb before dark. Apparently, they get it done. If they did it in in the guise of darkness, that's not in Scripture, but they got it done. Jesus is in the tomb. And that's Friday. That's Good Friday. Sounds really good, doesn't it? Good Friday, day one, Jesus is on the cross. Saturday, day two. You can imagine what the disciples are feeling right now. The disciples have have basically just gone from, from high to the lowest low. They're coming into the city and people are just praising jesus hosanna 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 in the highest blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord and they're they're rolling in like they're the kings of the place man jesus is is now going to be the ruler and we're we're his 12 disciples this is going to be awesome this is going to be great and less than a week later jesus is is hung on a cross and died and on saturday the second day You can imagine where the disciples are mentally at this point. They're probably confused, disappointed, scared. Who's next? We were the closest followers, and they killed him, and that was quick. Are we next? We know from later on in Scripture, and some of it we'll read today, that they were hiding They were hiding in a room with a door locked. Maybe some of you have had this, this kind of feeling in your life. Something's just happened that he just just threw you for a loop, totally confused you. Maybe it was someone close that died that, that you weren't expecting. It was unexpected. You know this feeling. You can relate to the disciples here. Man, what is going on? Day two. Day three, remember, starts at sunset. Sun is down on day two. And we know from Scripture that at some point in the dark of night, the light shines through. At some point in the darkness, Jesus has the breath of life back in him. And he's alive. And he's alive. I mean, this is, this is amazing. I mean, think about this. This is, this is exactly what Jesus had said would happen. Jesus predicted this over and over again. Right in John chapter 1. Right, it puts John chapter 1, right, verse 29 says this. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away our sins, right? It goes back to this this lamb imagery on on Selection Sunday, right? This lamb, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away our sins. And then we get to Saturday and we get to sundown on day three and we go over, I'm sorry, we go to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24 is where we're going to be hanging out a little bit today. And we don't exactly know when, we don't know exactly when during the night this happened, but we know that sometime in the darkness of light, the darkness of night, that light shone through. We know that sometime in the middle of the night that Jesus comes back. How appropriate is this? Isn't it, doesn't it always seem like in our darkest places is when it seems that Jesus shines through? When we're in the darkest places of our life, that God seemingly, seemingly comes to life for us, that we maybe feel Him in the in the real in the real way for the very first time. And, and everyone knew this was going to happen, right? Everyone knew this was going to happen. I can tell you this: the Pharisees and the Roman government, they knew that this was going to happen. Jesus said it was going to happen. You know how I know the Pharisees and the Roman government knew it was going to happen? What did they do to the tomb? They rolled a stone in front of it. They sealed it. They put soldiers there just in case. All right, they knew it was going to happen. Jesus had called it. Jesus had said it. The disciples knew it was going to happen. Jesus had said this three times to them. And where were they? Where were the disciples? Well, they were there, right? I mean, along with Lazarus, who was also raised from the dead, right? He was there hanging out like, yeah, he did it to me. He could do it himself, right? There was blind Bartimaeus there, all 5,000 people that Jesus fed on the mountainside. They were all there to, to witness this resurrection, right? No. Jesus raises from the dead. It comes out of the grave to a grand audience of none. To a grand audience of, of none. I just think that's, that's amazing. Jesus said he was going to. And the only people that did anything about it that actually believed him were the people that killed him. I want to just kind of go through some events this, this morning as we think about Easter. Because I want to talk about this, this resurrection that happened. So if you want to, we could, we could have gone out of any, any gospel this morning, but I want to I wanna look in the gospel of John. John chapter 20, I think, has a great story of the resurrection. John chapter 20. And we're going to start at verse 1 this morning. Here's what it says. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved. Or in the book of John. Who do you think is the one that Jesus loved? John, right? John wrote it. He's kind of being a little, maybe playful, maybe a little bit, uh, he's being interesting here, right? <clears throat> Saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance, so she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved. <laughs> I can't read that and not laugh, I'm sorry. And said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have found him. So Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter. Why we need that detail, I don't know. Right? The, other, the other disciple outran Peter. Right? We know that John is apparently faster than Peter, and he reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first... Oh, I'm sorry. Simon Peter came along behind him. Did I read this? And went straight into the tomb, right? So Peter gets there after him and goes straight into the tomb, right? John, the disciple that Jesus loved, is still outside kind of peering in, right? Right? Peter, we know from from other scriptures that Peter is kind of the the bold one, right? Peter will just kind of do and say whatever, right? He's the one that cuts off the guy's ear. He's the one that basically tells Jesus, no, you can't actually die, right? He's the one that is just going to say and do whatever. Peter goes into the tomb, sees everything, and then it says, finally the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. And I want us to hear these words this morning. He saw and believed. He saw and he believed. This morning, I, this is really what Easter is all about. It's not just about seeing. It's not just about encountering this story of Jesus' resurrection. It's not just about coming into contact with this truth. It's, it's more than just seeing, about being confronted with it. It's about, it's about believing. It's about connecting the dots and saying, I get it. And not just, I get it. Not, you're not going to understand every single detail of Jesus' life and death. You're not going to understand every single detail about Christianity. But what you can understand from this story is that Jesus loves you. And that Jesus came for you and he died for you and he rose for you. That's what you can see and that's what you can believe this morning. None of us are ever going to know everything. We're never going to arrive in the sense that we just understand every single word of scripture and every single thing that is happening in scripture. We can just, we just know it. It's just we can spout it out, right? And none of us are ever going to get there. But what we can know and we can believe from this Easter story is that Jesus Loves you. And he was sent for you. To live for you. And to die for you. And to raise again for you. Because he loves you. That's what we can see. And that's what we can believe this morning. I think every single person in the world. And especially in this room this morning. Needs this third day experience that John had. Where we run to the tomb. We run to Jesus. And we look and we see and we believe we see and we believe see this third day is is not just for for certain people the resurrection is not just for for just some people the resurrection is for everyone the resurrection is for people with fears and people with doubts maybe that's you this morning maybe you come to this place and and you're here, and you have fears, and you have doubts about what Easter even is, about what, who Christ even is. You have doubts of whether or not it even matters to you, or whether it should matter to you. About if he's real or not. I can tell you, you're in good company if that's you this morning. See, the third day is not just for those who get it. It's not just for those who, who, who know Jesus. It's for everyone who fears and, and who doubts. I mean, verse 9, even in, even, even in this passage that we just read, I stopped at verse 8, there's a little, there's a parenthesis, right? In verse 9, they still didn't understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. All right, so even John, John sees and he believes, and Peter runs in and he's excited, but they still don't get it. They still don't get it. All right, they're excited, like Jesus is here, Jesus is alive. This is amazing. This is great. They still don't understand why. They don't understand everything. Right? They didn't even get it. Right? And so Jesus, Jesus comes in, uh, later on in, verse tw- in chapter 20, starting at verse 19, says this, on the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together the doors, with the doors locked right, for fear of the Jewish leaders. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. I got to say, those wouldn't have been my first words to my disciples who, after I did what I said I was going to do, went and hid in a locked room. Peace be with you. You know what my words would have been? Where were you? I told you I was gonna be there. I told you on the third day I was gonna rise again. Where were you? And here you are in a lot, I would've just lit into him. And Jesus says, peace be with you. And he shows him his hands. And he lets him touch him. There was one person who wasn't there. His name's Thomas, who kind of gets a bad rap, right? We have a nickname for Thomas named Doubting Thomas. This is kind of why we have that that doubt, right? Verse 24, now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Just the time frame here is, is interesting for me. Right, A week later. Can you imagine the, the back and forth between the disciples and Thomas during this whole week? We've seen him. I'm not going to believe you until I see him. Thomas, he's real. Like, He's real. I saw him. We, we touched him. You can believe us. I, we've, been, we've been with him for three years. Wouldn't you know that we know that it's him? I'm not going to believe it. I'm not going to believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Through the, though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said again, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Some of us in here are in the same boat with Thomas. We hear the people that maybe we love. We, we know, we love them. They say, man, this Jesus thing is for real. I love him. I gave my life to Jesus. I, I love Jesus. And we just can't. Can't believe it. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. Unless I put my hand in his hands, unless I put my hand in his side, I'm not going to believe I, swear, I just want to tell you, the, this resurrection is for you. It's for you. Because here's the, here's the greatest thing about Jesus. Jesus comes to Thomas, and, and again, he doesn't say, Thomas, seriously? If, uh, I'm glad I'm not Jesus, right? Because I would have came back to Thomas and been like, Thomas, these guys have been telling you for a week that I'm back. Thomas, come on, man. But here, touch my sides. Touch my hands. All right, I believe my, my Lord and my God. Here's the thing about Jesus. Jesus understands that if we are really seeking him, that if we're really asking these questions about who Jesus is and about what he's all about, that the answers that we're going to get will honor him. And so Jesus doesn't mind the questioning. It's okay to question. It's okay to question your faith. It's okay to question what you read and to question what you hear. It's okay to have questions. It's okay to have doubts, because God knows that any any legitimate investigation that you put into who he is and what he's about will yield good results for him. Maybe you you fear, maybe you doubt. Jesus is not threatened with your questions. Question. But here's the worst thing you could do, is not question and just not believe. Thomas questioned but Thomas wanted to believe. You better believe Thomas wanted to believe. You think Thomas spent three years of his life following Jesus just to hear the other disciples say, Thomas, we've seen him, he's back. You're not going to believe this, he's back. And Thomas like, you're right, I'm not going to believe this. Right? Thomas wanted to believe, I guarantee it. But he needed to see it. Maybe you need to see it this morning. I encourage you to look and find Right, one of my favorite verses in Scripture is in Jeremiah 29. And there's the well-known one in 11, right? For I know the plans I have for you. But a couple of verses later, it says, when you seek me, you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I'm going to say it again this morning. If, if you're one of these people that is doubting and fearful, Jesus and God says, when you seek me, You will find me if you seek me with all of your heart. The third day is for you. If you have fears and if you have doubts, it's for you. It's for you. The third day is also for people with with pain and with heartache. The resurrection is for you. If you've got pain, if you've got heartache, this is for you. Right, Mary in verse 11, if you go back to John chapter 20 with me. Verse 11 says, Now Mary stood outside the tomb, crying. As she wept, she bent over and to, to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said. I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus sitting there, but she did not realize it was Jesus. And he asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking she was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. He calls her name, and she gets it. He calls her name, and she turns towards him and cries out in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. And Jesus says, don't hold on to me. I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go to my brothers and tell them I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. So Mary runs and tells the disciples. But i got to tell you this morning. If you are going through pain and through heartache, Jesus is calling you. The one you're looking for is Jesus. Jesus asks, who are you looking for? The one that you're looking for is Jesus. Only Jesus can come, and he can can heal those pain. He can heal the heartache that you have inside. You're looking for Jesus. And when you find him, Jesus knows your name. The third day, this resurrection, is for you. If you've got pain and you've got heartache, it's for you. It's for you. Psalm 30 says this. Psalm 30, verse 11. You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy, that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. Take this imagery, you've you've turned my wailing into dancing. You've removed my sackcloth, which is a a sign of mourning, and and clothed me with joy. this 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 is what the gospel is this morning. The message of the church is not that we will never go through hardships and not that we will never go through pain. The message of the church is that through the resurrection, we have hope that through the pain and through the heartache, that joy comes on the other side. That's the message of the church. That's the message of the gospel. And that's why the third day is for you if you've got heartache and if you've got pain. See, the third day is also for you if you're if you're needing forgiveness or you're needing restoration. John chapter 21, immediately following what we've already read, Jesus says his disciples again. I just, I love the story. I want to read the whole thing in verse. Chapter 21, it says this Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, We'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Now, just something here. What are the disciples doing? They're fishing. Which means, what are they not doing? What Jesus told them to be doing. And Jesus sent them with go and make disciples, right? Into Matthew. But Jesus sends them out. And these guys are, are fishing. They're not, doing, they're not doing what Jesus says. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them Friends, haven't you any fish? Just kind of trolling them a little bit, right? Have you, do you have any fish? I mean, what's going on? You haven't caught anything? Jesus has a real sense of humor if you read, if you read the Gospels. You can't miss it sometimes. So just look for it. It's there. No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, who we know as John... Said to Peter, "It's the Lord." And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, "It is the Lord," he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, "Bring some of the fish you've just caught." So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat. Dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Here's why this is important. Peter, at the Last Supper, Jesus, I'm not going to let it happen. I'm not going to let this happen. And Jesus says, before, you're going to deny me three times tonight, Peter. Peter, It comes during the trial. You read the stories of the trial, and and Peter denies Jesus three times. Weren't you with him? You're one of his, right? You're one of his. You were with him. No, I don't know the man. I don't know him. I don't know what you're talking about. And so Peter, Jesus, Jesus calls Peter and he asks him one time, two times, three times, Peter, do you love me? Then go. Feed my sheep. And go, feed my lambs. Then go. Go. Peter, I know that you've messed up. Peter, I know that you didn't, that I know you feel like you screwed up. Peter, I have a plan for you. Peter, I forgive you. Peter, go feed my sheep. Peter, go. Maybe you're in this place this morning and you need that restoration. You need that forgiveness. You just feel like, man, I've let God down one too many times. I've let him down. I don't know what I can do. Can I tell you this morning that the resurrection is for you? The resurrection is for you. Jesus says, I forgive you. I don't care what you've done. I don't care when you did it. I don't, I don't care. I forgive you. Now go. Go, live your life the way that you should be living it. Go. I don't care. I forgive you. Go. Go. Maybe you need that forgiveness this morning. Can I say it's just an ask away for you? That forgiveness can be yours today. And what better day than on Easter? The resurrection is for you. If you have, if you need forgiveness or you need restoration, Jesus calls to you today and he says, I still love you. I still want you. Over the last few weeks, we've been talking about the famous last words of Jesus as he's hanging on the cross. We talked about, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. We talked about, it is finished, those words. There's another phrase that Jesus said when he's on the cross. It's in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 24. as he's hanging on the cross he says father forgive them for they do not know what they are doing and they divide up his clothes by casting lots verse 35 in Luke 24 says the people stood watching and the rulers even sneered at him they said he saved others let him save himself if he is God's Messiah the chosen one the soldiers also came up and mocked him they offered him wine and vinegar and they said if you're the king of the Jews save yourself one of the criminals who, who hung there hurled insults at him and said, Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. Right? He added the and us in there. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you're under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we're getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Today you will be with me in paradise. This morning you and I are on one of two boats. Or on one of two crosses, I should say. Either you are in a place where you're hanging on a cross, hurling insults at Jesus, or you are on the cross and you recognize who Jesus is, and you know who he is. You believe he is who he says he is. You believe he can do the things he says he can do. You believe that Jesus rose and and, and rose from the dead. He died on the cross and rose for you. Maybe that's you this morning. We are one of two criminals. Which one are you? Which one are you? Who do you say Jesus is? Do you love him? So here's the gospel this morning. Is that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish would have everlasting life. Amen. The man on the cross who said, this man has done nothing wrong. He recognized who Jesus was. He saw and he believed. Jesus responds, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. I came for you. Which criminal are you? Who do you say Jesus is? It's probably one of a few places that you fit in. One, you've never met Jesus. You don't really know who he is. This might even be the first you you're hearing of Jesus. Who do you say Jesus is? Some of you have been going to church longer than I've been alive. No offense. And you know who Jesus is. You know cognitively who he is. He could give me all the right Sunday school answers. You could do everything right. But your life doesn't reflect it. Who do you say Jesus is? And then there are some of you who who know Jesus and you love Jesus and you're passionate about living your life for Jesus. Who do you say Jesus is? Jesus wants to say to every single one of us, Today, you will be with me in paradise. And if you have never made that decision to, be to say, I-, I believe, Jesus, that you are who you say you are. Jesus, I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose from the dead for me. I believe that you love me. God, I believe that you want me to live for you, even though I might not know what that means right now. I believe it. That decision is upon you today. And we're going to pray in a second. And I would love for you to just pray with me. And maybe you, maybe you need to say that for the very first time this morning. God, I, I, Jesus, I, I, I recognize you. I see you and I believe in you. I don't know what that means yet, but I see you and I believe in you. Maybe you need to say that this morning. Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time. Maybe it's just a short time but your life hasn't been reflecting it. Maybe you need to say this morning, Jesus, I see you and I believe in you. And I know what it means to live for you and now I'm going to go do it. Maybe you're, maybe you're in here and you've been following Jesus wholeheartedly. You have a passion for Jesus. You love Jesus. Maybe you need to say this morning, God, help me to see the people who need to see and believe. Help me reach the people to see and believe. Let's pray this morning. God, God, we love you. God, and what a day to be faced with the reality of John 3.16. For you so loved the world Everyone in this room, included, that you gave your one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him would not perish, would have everlasting life. God, there may be some in this room who have, who have never actually said the words, "I believe." who have never actually turned their lives over to you, even though they might not know what that means right now. God, I pray that this morning they would just pray this prayer. God, I see and I believe. Help me to live it out. God, and if there are those who have who have already made that decision to, to believe in you and to they already believe, but they haven't been living it out. My God, my prayer is that they would, they would say this prayer, that God, I see you and I believe you. I know you are real. I know how I should be living. God, help me to live like this. Help me to follow your call. Help me to answer your call. God, there are those of us who are here who, who love Jesus, who have a passion for Jesus, who, who follow him every single day. And God, my prayer for us is that we would just have a heart for those who do not know him yet. That we would go out and we would make a difference in the world as we live for you and as we live the way you'd have us to live. God, every single one of us in this place wants to hear the words, today you will be with me in paradise. God, would that be real today? Would those who are making these decisions and and praying these prayers, would they hear those words from you as they recognize you for who you are? God, we love you. And we give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If If you prayed one of those prayers with me, I would just encourage you if, you, if you made that first prayer, to say, God, I've never seen you, I've never believed in you, but I want to. If you don't have a Bible, I want to give you a Bible, and so you can either take the one in your pew, or I have one in the office that I can give you as well, I, just, I want you to have a Bible that you can read, that you can get to know this Jesus that you're committing to, that you're saying you want to know if you're one of those people who prayed the second prayer who would just say God I want to live it out I'm going to be praying with you this week we're praying for you this week and along with you ahead of you this week that God would just go ahead of you and with you and he would just remind you of, of who he is and of his power in your life and if you're one of those people who prayed that third prayer with me God would I just have a heart for those who don't know you my prayer is that you come in contact with one of those people this week and that you would have the boldness and the, the understanding to, to lead them in that And what a day. What a day. He is risen. He's risen indeed. Would you stand with me? I just want to pray a prayer of blessing over you this morning. So would you just hold out your hands and just receive this? May the God who sent his son to live the life you could not live and die the death that you deserve to die so that you might live eternally with him. May he go with you. May he go ahead of you. May he be in your workplaces, in your homes. Would it be evident in your life? And would you go out and make a difference for him this week? Go in peace. Go in peace. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. Amen. Go ahead.